During worship, she came up to me and she shared something with me, and I want her to share it with all of you. Um, when we were doing rally this morning, I just felt like um, the Lord just kept giving me these images, and as we were praying, um, I realized that they were images of pieces of God's armor for us, and that He is raging. He is um, He is getting an army ready, which is us. We are His army. And I just kept seeing, like, even during worship and during this, um, it just goes along with Pastor Matt's series of preparing us and teaching us our authority as believers, that he is literally giving us pieces of armor. There are pieces of armor that each and every one of us are missing or they're damaged. And he is literally supernaturally going to just start putting these pieces into place because he is making us his army to go yep. and reach the lost. And he can't do it with an army that has broken armor. Amen. And so I just, right now, just even as he's preaching during worship and this, even as the weeks go on through the series, just claim that. Yep. You may know what piece of armor is weak in you, but even if you don't, just say, Lord, whatever it is, wherever I have a hole, wherever I'm missing a piece, just make my armor completely yep. solid. Yeah. Um, and I'm just, I'm excited about what God's going to do. So this is going to be awesome. Amen. Awesome. Amen. I, I just, I get, I'm just get so wound up. You know, I don't think that, I don't think that the authority of the believer, I don't think that what we're talking about here is my favorite thing to preach about. But when I start to think about the authority that we have as believers, I just get, I just get all kinds of wound up. Like I just get going a hundred million miles an hour on the inside. And I just want to like, like, I just get crazy. Right. I mean, come on. Right. Who are we? Who are we? Last week we read, we are seated with Christ in heavenly places. Jesus Christ is seated at the right hand of God. We're seated. We are seated with Christ in heavenly places. We are seated at the right hand of God. Are you kidding me? What does that mean? And do we live it out? There's, there's a meme. It says, um, it says, the devil whispered. Let me, let me open this up and then I'll read it. The devil whispered, you can't withstand the storm. And the warrior replied, I am the storm. I am the storm. What are you talking about? You see, the thing we've got to remember, one of the most important things that we have to remember is that the only weapon that the enemy has left is to lie to us. That's why he's called a deceiver. He has no more power. Man, this is good stuff. If I, had, if I had paper notes, I'd throw them. <laughs> you know, back in the day, I used to have paper notes. We're going off the notes. I'm not saying that we're going off the notes, but I'd just throw them just because, man, the Holy Spirit's really moving here. Uh, the Holy Spirit was here. The Spirit was moving at 9 o'clock this morning. It was here moving at 9.15 this morning. When the worship band came in for practice this morning, I came out and I started worshiping. And I'm telling you that the Spirit of God was here and it was thick and it was ready. At 9.15, at 9 o'clock. We have to become worshipers. Listen, there is, I, I will never let go of this. I, if we're here 100 years from now, if I'm here 100 years from now, I'll still be telling you the same thing. You have to worship God. You have to worship God. You have to get your worship on. You have to learn how to worship God better, more fully, more holy. It all comes down to worship. Go back to the beginning. What was it about? It was about worship. Why did the devil come? He came to steal worship from God. 
He wants worship and he gets mad. The devil gets mad. He gets frustrated. He doesn't know what to do when you worship God. And so when trouble comes, when trial comes, when persecution comes, when hard times come, worship God. When good times come, worship God. No matter what happens, worship God. We have to be a people who worships God. God is enthroned on the praises of his people. You want to get God on the scene? Start worshiping God. You're in a hard place and you need to get God on the scene? Start worshiping God. Bill Johnson said this, and you know, I, I don't like to just throw things out that people say. I like to uh, find them in the word. But he said this, and, and I like it even though I haven't studied it out yet. He said, emotional health comes from rejoicing always. It's worship, rejoicing always. Mental health comes from giving thanks in all things. And so do I have a mental problem or do I have an emotional problem? I don't know. I'm just going to rejoice and give thanks. <laughs> I don't even care. It doesn't even matter. I'm going to rejoice. I'm going to worship God with every breath that I have. And I'm going to give thanks for everything that God has given me and for every trial that I come into. Yeah. All right, let's get on. All right, we got we to bring some... I told you I get really amped up, and so it's good. All right, this morning I want to talk to you about the kingdom authority. I want to talk to you about the authority that we've been given. The, how, did God, how, did, how did we get to this place? Where are we today? How did we get here? How did it all start? What was God's plan from the beginning? How did it go down, this thing of authority? So let's just start in Genesis. Genesis chapter 1. Then God said, let us... Father, Son, Holy Spirit, let us make man in our image, according to our likeness. Let them have dominion. We're going to give man, this is the sixth day. God says, okay, let's make man and let's give him dominion. Let's give him all of the authority. Let's give it to Adam. Let's make him and he'll get all the authority. He'll have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, over the cattle, over all the earth, over every creeping thing that creeps upon the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Female, male and female, he created them. Then God blessed them and he said to them, be fruitful and multiply, fill the earth. Before the curse, before they were cast out, our instructions were to fill the earth. Fill the earth. Subdue it. Subdue it. Subdue the earth. Take control over it. Take control. Have influence upon it. Subdue the earth. You know, change it. Make it better. Subdue it. Have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, over every living thing that moves upon the earth. God created the earth. God put man on the earth and God gave man dominion over it all. Right? What happened? Chapter three. Now the serpent was more cunning than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, God has indeed said, you shall, has God indeed said, you shall not eat of the tree of the garden? Here he comes to deceive. And the woman said to the serpent, we may eat of the free." The fruit of the trees of the garden, but the fruit which is in the midst of the garden, God said, you shall not eat it, nor shall you touch it, lest you die. Then the serpent said to the woman, you shall not surely die, for God knows that in the day that you eat it, 
your eyes will be open and you will be like God, knowing good and, uh, knowing good and evil. So when the woman saw that the tree was good for food and that was pleasant to the eyes and a tree desirable to make one wise, she took of its fruit and ate. She also gave it to her husband and he ate with her. They ate together. And so they disobeyed God and they obeyed Satan instead. And so when they chose to uh, disobey God and they chose to obey the words of Satan so that they could potentially become like God, right? Because that's what this says, right? When in the day, for God knows that in the day that you eat it, your eyes will be open and you will be like God. Well, that was God's plan from the beginning, but he wanted to do it through obedience and through his word. We will be like God. John 3, uh, 1 John says, 1 John 3 says that we will be like God. When we realize who we are, we're going to be just like him. We were created in his image. We were created in his, in his likeness. We're going to be like God. But they took a wrong avenue. They thought the way of getting there was eating of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And it wasn't. It was obeying God. And so they get cast out. And not only that, but they gave their authority over to the person that they obeyed. And they became a slave of him. They became a slave of Satan. Romans 6.16 says, Do you not realize that you become slave? You become the slave of whomever you choose to obey. You can be a slave to sin, which leads to death, or you can choose to obey God, which leads to righteous living. Adam and Eve disobeyed God. They did not obey God. Instead, they did what Satan recommended. In essence, they obeyed Satan. And they made themselves a slave of Satan. And so they gave over their authority. They basically handed it over to Satan. This is, what, this is where the authority, this is, I want to show you the pattern of where the authority went, right? And so now Satan has the authority over all the earth. He has the authority over all the earth. The authority that man had, Satan has. But God didn't want it to stay that way. God never planned it to stay that way. He wanted to bring it back and put it back in man's hands. But he couldn't do it supernaturally. Follow me here. God is a God of law. God is a God of order. God is a God of of perfection. And so in his holy perfection, he had planned a way to take back the authority, but not as God, but as man. Because if he came back as God and took the, took the, uh, took the authority away from Satan, and gave it back to man, it'd be like watching a football game and the team fumbles the ball and the other team recovers it. And the refs come out and be like, no, that's still this, it's still the green team's ball. Well, that's not fair. That's not just. And God's a just God. It has to be done right. It has to be done legally. And so what happened? This gets super exciting. Oh. But when the fullness of time has come, had come, when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son, born under a woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law, that we might receive the adoption of sons. The incarnation, here we go. Jesus Christ, born of a virgin, born of the Holy Spirit, fully God, fully man. He is the one that legitimately can take back the authority that has been given up. He's the one. He's the one. It's Jesus. From the time, listen, I don't think I can say that yet. I don't want to say that yet. 
Jesus comes on the scene and he is a legal contender to take back the authority that Adam gave up. He came without sin. He lived without sin. He had to live his entire life, 33 years. He had to live every single day and never sin. To never break fellowship with the Father. To never disobey the Father. And he did it. And because he did it, he was the legal one who could take back the authority. Watch what happens. All right, I, all right, I'll just stop right there. Here's what happens. 33 years, sinless. He goes to the cross. He takes the sin of the world upon him. Wait, he's in the Garden of Gethsemane. I'm telling you, I get all kinds of excited. He's in the Garden of Gethsemane. The hour is coming. He knows what's coming. He's about to take the, world, the, the, the sin of the world upon him. He's about to become, he, he who knew no sin is about to become sin for us so that we could be forgiven, so that we could have back the authority. And he prays, and he prays this prayer. And this is the high point. We have to understand, Gethsemane is the high point. Gethsemane is where it all changed. That's the climax. Jesus prays this prayer, and he says, Father, if it's possible, take this cup from me. But nevertheless, not as I will, but as you will. And the decision was made. It was settled. He won the victory in prayer before he ever walked it out on the cross. And so he won the victory right there in Gethsemane. Father, if it's possible, take this cup. I don't think I can handle it, but not as I will, but as you will. I, I don't think I can do this, but I submit myself to you. He prays on the cross, and this is one of the most powerful prayers you ever hear anybody pray. Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. I don't know you can pray a more powerful prayer. God, I give you all of my life. I give you everything, everything. I hold nothing back. He goes to the cross. Follow me here, right? Satan had dominion over the earth and over every human being that lived because we all sinned. Satan had no dominion over, he had no power, he had no authority over Jesus because Jesus never sinned. And so from the day that Adam sinned until the, the, the last person that was born before Jesus died on the cross, every single one of those people, Jesus had the legal right for them to die, to take them by death. But he had no right to take Jesus by death because he had never sinned. Therefore, he had never come underneath the authority of Satan. You hear me? It's crazy. What? I don't understand. I'm telling you, the more you understand, the less you're going to understand. This is the mystery of the faith. If we understood everything, we wouldn't need faith to believe. But Jesus, Satan had no legal right to him. He had no legal right, and he killed him anyways. And Satan becomes a murderer for the first time in the history of man because he killed someone that he had no legal authority to kill. Satan broke the law. You know, I'm reminded of uh, the Chronicles of Narnia, right? The lion goes and the white witch, and they kill him on the stone table, and then he comes back. And I think it's Aslan says to um, the little girl, Lucy, and he, she, he says, she didn't, the white witch didn't know of the deep things of the law. I think he actually says, didn't know the deep things of magic. But, you know, he's talking about the deep things of the law. He didn't know the deep things of the law. There was a lot here that Satan just didn't understand. Satan knows the word. He understands the law. But there are things that he does not understand. There's things we don't understand. We have to accept them by faith. Here's another turning point. I want to bring this up. Right? And so J Satan, uh, Jesus wins this victory 
on the cross. And listen, we have to stop becoming people that are cross people, and we have to start becoming people that are empty tomb people. Right? Because yes, the cross was awesome, but if there was never an empty tomb, then the cross means nothing. There was thousands of crosses back in the day. It was a commonplace. It's like putting an electric chair up on the wall. It was very commonplace. Lots of people died by the cross, but only one person ever rose from the grave. And it's the fact that Jesus rose from the grave that we have the power and the victory and the authority. And so every time we look at the cross, we remember the sacrifice, but we also need to remember the victory. We need to be a people of victory because Jesus is a victor. He is no longer hanging on the cross. He won that battle. Matthew 4, 8. I love this. Jesus is born. He's born in Bethlehem. Satan hears of it. Herod hears of it. Jealousy. Satan stirs up jealous anger in Herod. Herod runs down with a troop of of soldiers and tries to kill him. And they murder all of the little kids in Bethlehem of under two years of two years in age and under. And so they murder all of these kids because Satan's trying to take Jesus out, trying to find a way to take Jesus out. And so for 33 years, he's trying to take Jesus out. Jesus goes to be baptized by John the Baptist, comes up out of the water, spirit, the heavens are ripped open, spirit of God descends upon Jesus. This is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. Jesus goes out into the wilderness and he fasts for 40 days. Hey, we're having a 40 day fast. He fasts for 40 days. And he begins to walk in the power and the authority that's been given to him. So here's this little showdown with Adam and with Jesus and the second Adam, Jesus, with Jesus and Satan. And he's tempted and there's three temptations. And here's the third temptation. It says, again, the the devil took him, Jesus, up onto an exceedingly high mountain and showed him all of the kingdoms of the world and their glory. We've talked about this before. There is no natural mountain in all of the world, even at the time of Jesus, where you can get upon a mountain and see all of the the kingdoms of the world in the natural, much less their glory in the spiritual. So Satan takes him up onto this spiritual mountain, shows him all of the kingdoms of the world and their glory. And then he says this, and he said to him, all of these things I will, I will give you if you will fall down and worship me. It's all about worship again. It comes back to the point of worship. Jesus, if you will worship me, Je- Satan's saying, Jesus, if you will worship me, I'll give you all of these, I'll give you all these kingdoms. They're mine to give. I own them. I control them. I have the authority. I took it from Adam. I can give it to you. You can't give away authority you don't have. Satan had the ability to give away the authority because he had the authority. All of these things I will give you if you bow down and worship me. It comes back to worship. Who will we worship? Who are we worshiping? Who are we declaring? See, it really annoys... (laughs) It really annoys... I think, I don't know, you know, uh, it really annoys Satan that we worship God because we're free beings to do whatever we please. And when we choose to humble ourselves and worship God, he gets mad. He gets mad, number one, that we're not worshiping him, but also that we're not worshiping ourselves or that we're not living for ourselves and that we're worshiping God instead. And so every time we worship God, it frustrates him. He doesn't know what to do. And so if you, if you want to frustrate him, him and get him off your trail, just start worshiping God. Get more ridiculous in your worship. Become even more undignified than this. All of these things I will give you if you fall down and worship me. 
And then they said to him, away with you. And then Jesus said to Satan, away with you, Satan, for it is written, written, you shall worship the Lord God and him only shall you serve. And then the devil left him and behold, angels came and ministered to Jesus. And so Satan had to leave this high place, but Jesus stayed in this high place. And I believe that he took authority in this moment. We'll look at this in a minute. I believe that Jesus took authority in this moment so that he could have power over Satan. And he walked it out his entire life. And the cross was so that he could transfer it to us for the rest of, for the rest of, of time. Okay? Jesus comes down from the mountain. This is um, six verses later. He, he wins this battle. Jesus, angels come minister to him. He leaves that place. He comes down. And uh, verse 17, he says, From that time, Jesus began to preach and say, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. The, the kingdom of heaven is right here, and it's right now. It's at hand. It's in front of you. The kingdom of heaven is right here. Begin to walk in it. Repent and begin to walk in the kingdom of heaven. The kingdom of heaven is ours to enter into. But we wait and we're like, oh no, the kingdom's going to be far off, you know, and it's a, it's a, the, the, the millennial kingdom comes much later. Listen, we're going to talk about end time theology. That's coming in June. We're having a series. The end of the, the series is going to be called, might be like June, July. It's called, um, it's the end of the world as we know it. Yeah, it's really ridiculous that we would put more faith in the, the fact that Jesus is coming back than in the fact that he rules and reigns here on the earth right now. Come on, the same Jesus that's coming back is giving me power and authority over everything right now. Why do we put so much hope in the return of Jesus and no hope in his power and authority here in my life today? The kingdom of heaven is at hand. Jesus talks to the Pharisees and they, they accuse him that he's, he's binding, he's casting out Satan by Satan, right? He's casting out demons by Satan. And Jesus responds and says, if I cast out demons by, by Satan, then who do your sons cast them out? And then he goes on and he says, how can you enter a strong man's house and plunder his goods unless you first bind the strong man? And then you can plunder his house. And Jesus is walking around casting out his de these demons. How is he doing this? Because he had already, in Matthew chapter 4, he had already bound the strong man. He had already disarmed Satan to some degree. It wasn't a full disarming. The full disarming would come at the cross. But at some point, he had, in this victory that he had won in the wilderness, he disarmed Satan to a degree. And he was able to cast out demons wherever he went. Why? Because he had authority. And the, the demons would respond, Matthew 8, and, and they, they cry out and say, Jesus, Jesus, you son of God, have you come to torment us before the time? See, Satan and his cohorts, they know that there is a time coming where they're going to be tormented by God. They're going to be cast into the lake of fire. They know that there is this fiery end to come. But when Jesus shows up on the scene at the cross, this time in his life, when he shows up on the earth, they were unaware. They were, didn't know that this was going to transpire. And so they're taken off guard. And the demons are like, what's going on? You're not supposed to be here for another X amount of years. I don't even know that they know the fullness of time, but they know something's not right. And they're like, what are you doing here? Have you come to torment us before the time? Jesus, in, in his wisdom, doesn't answer. You know, most times 
when he's asked a question, he doesn't answer. He doesn't answer. But if he were to answer, he'd be like, no, I'm just coming back to take, out, take back the authority. I've just come to take back the authority because that's what's going on. The kingdom of heaven is at hand. It's right here. It's right now. We need to learn to walk in the kingdom authority that we've been given. This is what we've been called to. This is where we need to live in the kingdom authority. Acts chapter 1, verses 3 and 6. Jesus being seen by them during 40 days and speaking of the things pertaining to the kingdom of God. And so the disciples are gathering together with Jesus. And for 40 days, Jesus is teaching them about the kingdom of what? The kingdom of what? The kingdom of God. And therefore, when they had come together, verse 6, they asked him, saying, Lord, at this time will you restore the kingdom of Israel? The kingdom of what? That's not what Jesus said. I've been teaching you for 40 days about the kingdom of God and all you're interested in is the kingdom of Israel? We have to to understand this and we have to pull this apart. We have to see that the kingdom of God is not the kingdom of Israel. The kingdom of God is not what we think it is. It's something altogether different. When Jesus is held by Pilate, He says, my kingdom is not of this world. If it were, my disciples would fight for me. But now my kingdom is not from here. Romans 14 says this, the kingdom of God is not in eating and drinking, but righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. For he who serves Christ in these things is acceptable to God and approved by men. The kingdom of God is not in the natural. The kingdom of God is not on any throne in the earth. It's not in the White House. It's not in the Senate. It's not on the, I don't know what, the parliament in England. It's not there. It's not on the the, the throne of the king over Jordan. It's not in the, uh, the prime minister's office in Israel. It's in none of these places. There is no government seat in all of the world. It's not the United Nations. It's none of these things. That is not the kingdom of God. That's not the way God does business. The kingdom of God is righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. What does that mean? Righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. And when we move in righteousness and we move in joy and we move in peace we're going to see the kingdom of God move before us. We have the authority to undo the powers of darkness. Jesus came to, to, um, what did we read last week? Jesus came to destroy the works of the evil one. He came to destroy sickness. He came to destroy oppression. He came to destroy death. He came to destroy all of these things, and he did. And so how is it? Listen, the kingdom, the kingdom of God is not a natural kingdom. But the things in the natural are affected by the spiritual kingdom. So when the blind man, so when Jesus heals the blind man, he's affecting things in the spiritual. He's, he's talking to things in the spiritual realm as he heals the blind man. 
But there's a natural reaction he can now see. Right? And so you're oppressed. And so when you speak to that thing in the spirit, you're speaking to something in the spirit. But what happens is that when you speak to that thing in the spirit, you're no longer oppressed in the natural. And so it's a, it's a spiritual kingdom, but it has effects in the natural. And so when we speak, our warfare is not of flesh and blood, but a, is mighty in the, in the spirit to the pulling down of strongholds. And so when we begin to speak to these things in the spirit, we will see things change in the natural. And so when we begin to take this authority, you have to know that you can't go slapping people because they're not the enemy. When people are treating you bad and they're mistreating you and they're, they're ridiculing you and you're being persecuted, it's not them, it's a spirit. Speak to the spirit. The kingdom of God is now, but not yet. It's now, but it's not yet fully. Sanctification is now, but not yet. We've all been sanctified. We all have sanctification. If you know Jesus Christ, if you've committed to following Jesus Christ, you're sanctified. But you may still deal with sin because you haven't been fully sanctified. The kingdom of God that we walk in right now is a similar way. It's here and it's now, and we have the authority of God right now. But it's not here fully because, number one, because we can't handle the full manifestation of God's glory. No flesh will see God and die. We can't handle the full manifestations of God's glory, right? Can't do it. We just can't do it. The flesh won't, it won't survive that. The problem we have and the difficulty why we're not seeing what we want to see is because although Satan has been destroyed, it says, it says that Jesus made an open show of them. He destroyed them. And so although Satan has been destroyed, he's been disarmed, he's been dispowered, he's been, uh, the authority's been removed from him, they, he still engages in this guerrilla warfare type thing. And he still keeps lying to us and lying to you and lying to people who don't know Jesus. And he keeps, and he, he keeps using the, the biggest weapon he has is deception. And so this is where our mind becomes the most powerful thing, that we need to know that we are kingdom, that we have the power of God's kingdom. And when we understand it and we know it, we'll begin to move in ways that we haven't moved yet. We'll never see, we, we will never see the fullness of God's glory here on the earth. We know that, right? Because no one will see God. No flesh shall see God and, and die. But we also know that we can see more of God move than we are currently seeing today. How do we know that? Because history tells us that. Finney came and the whole, the whole city got saved. Rochester became the burnout district. Come on, in the days of Finney, let, so let it be in our day that Troy would be the burnt out district, that it'd be so on fire for God that there'd be nobody left to get saved. Come on, come on, that we'd have to leave this place and go somewhere else to find more unsaved people. That's what I want. That's what I want. And I don't care if anybody comes to this church, let them go to all the other churches. I just want to see them saved. And so I'm going to begin to take the place of authority and begin to pray for salvation for everyone in the city because this is what God's called me to. My whole thing's crashed. What in the world? I don't know. I must have just hit the button. Too much pounding up here. I told you, I get excited. Whew. 
We know that we can have more than what we currently see. Anybody? Come on. I want the more. God, I want the more. God, I want the more. Jesus said, pray that God's will would be done on earth as it is in heaven. Come on. Jesus told us to pray it. Why do we think that? Why are we not seeing heaven? What's heaven? No sickness, no disease. God says it. It happens. This is God's kingdom. This is the way it is in heaven. No more tears. No more joy. No more suffering. All this stuff is in heaven. Why? Jesus said, pray it here on earth. On earth as it is in heaven. Jesus set no limit. Right? He didn't say, okay, listen, the kingdom's here, and you can have this much. You'll see this. No, what did he say? He said, these works you shall do, and even greater works than these shall you do. Come on. I'm ready. Jesus, bring us the greater works. I don't know what they are. Let me, I'll just start doing, I'll just, I'll just start with, I'll be happy when I get to doing half of the stuff that Jesus did. I'm not going to stop there but I'll be happy when I've reached that point. I'm happy now. (laughs) The kingdom of God is not in eating and drinking, but righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. For he who serves Christ in these things is acceptable to God and approved by men. Revelation 5.10, it says this, and he says, and you have caused them to become a kingdom of priests for our God, and they will reign on the earth. Revelation is a difficult book to understand. We're going to get to a bunch of it when we do. Uh, It's the end of the world as we know it. It's coming. But we have to know that we have been made right now. We are a kingdom of priests to our God. I'm not the only one. It's not just me. It's not just whoever holds the microphone. We, everyone who declares the name of Jesus, all of us together have become a kingdom of priests. We have dominion. Last week we talked about Jesus took, he said, all power and all authority has been given to me. Go therefore, you take my authority and go, go therefore into all of the earth. Preach the gospel. Heal the sick. Do this. Do that. All authority is mine. I give it to you. Go. We've been made a kingdom of priests to our God. What's a priest? What's a priest do? What's the priest's responsibility? Let's go back to Old Testament, right? Tabernacle. What did the priest do? He made the sacrifice. We pour out our lives as a sacrifice unto God. The very life we live to God becomes a sacrifice. And so we become a priest because we are sacrificing to God our very lives. The high priest would go into the Holy of Holies and and make prayers for the people. And we're priests It's our responsibility to pray for the people who don't know God. This is what it means to be a kingdom of priests. What was the priest's function? 
to communicate between God and the people. And we are a kingdom of priests. You're all priests. You all have the ability to pray to God, to seek God, to talk with God. And you've become a kingdom of priests so that you can talk to God and pray for the people that don't know him. Grasp this reality. Make it real in your life and begin to step out in the authority that you've been given as a believer. Begin to pray for people's salvation with the authority that you've been given. Because God gave you authority. Start with your family. Start with your family. Start with your brothers and sisters. Start with your children and just start to pray. Don't start to preach. Start to pray. Stop preaching. Start praying. Once you've grasped it in the authority of it in the spiritual realm, it'll come to pass. It'll come to pass. I'll never forget, I prayed for a family member. And this was right after I got saved. I got saved the next night I prayed for my family member. And I prayed every night for, I don't know, it was like three or four months religiously. Like I was, you know, I grew up Catholic, so you did things religiously. And so every night for three or four months, I prayed for that one person. I'm like, God, save them. Save them, save them, save them, save them. After three or four months, I stopped praying. Things got worse. Became an atheist. Used to be Catholic, became an atheist, right? So he's going from, from uh, in a place where he didn't have a great relationship with God to a place where he had now no relationship. At least that's, that was the proclamation. And so then it, I, I really was released by the Lord. I had the peace to stop praying. Things got worse and I stopped. Be, why? It wasn't because I felt like, um, it, it was only because I had the peace of God. You have to understand, nothing happens, nothing happens, nothing happens. Say nothing. Nothing happens. Nothing happens. Say nothing happens. Nothing happens aside from relationship. Nothing happens aside from relationship. Why did God set the kingdom up this way? It goes back to John, John 15, John 16. And he prays to the Father and he says, Father, I and them and they and me and me and you and we all together are one. That's not routine or religion. That's relationship. And we will never move in the kingdom out of relationship. I in you and you in me and us in them and them in us. I'm telling you, man, this gets to be like a head game. Like, who am I? Wait a minute. I'm with God and, and yeah, yeah. The door of invitation is open. Hey, hey, come on in. I just want you to sit down and have a cup of tea. Let's chat a while, you and I. And this invitation is here from God every single day. And we're just like, I'll see you tomorrow. Uh, Tomorrow I'll make time. And then the next day, tomorrow I'll make time. And then the next day, tomorrow I'll make time. Jesus says, behold, I stand at the door and knock. That, that's written to the church. Many times we use that scripture as a salvation scripture. Like God's knocking at your heart. He's talking to the church. I think he's talking to the lukewarm church. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. The whole, you know why, you know why we saw so many, so much, uh, the, 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 the miracles pour out, the healings pour out here at the end of 2019? Do you know why? 
because we came to a place in unity where we were all drawing together with God. We were all seeking God. We were all, we were, we're reading through that book, and the, the whole purpose of that book is for us to develop this prayer life with God, to develop this relationship with God, because everything flows from that place of relationship. God, won't, God will not hand us the keys of the kingdom aside from relationship. He won't do it. This is why he confounded them when he was healing eyes and he healed them all these different ways. One guy he just prayed for, another guy he spit in his eyes, the next guy he rubbed mud on his eyes. Who wants to be the guy that got spit in the eyes? Jesus did it all these different ways. Why? Because it's never about a process or a formula. We got to come back to God. God, what are you doing right now? God, what do you want to do right now? I want to overhear heaven and have the effect on earth. That's the way it's been designed by God, that we would be in this relationship, that we would walk, and as we walk, that we would be continually in a place of prayer, and that as we continually walk through our day, we would hear the Lord, and we would move at His, at His words, and we would see the glory of God because we've been obedient. And it's never about me. None of this is about me or you. It's about the people that you get to minister to, and it's about giving God the glory. Glory to God. I hope you're catching this. Listen, we have to catch this because there's, you can only learn so much, and it's not about getting it here. It's about getting it here. It's not necessarily about getting it in our head. It's about getting it in our heart and understanding who we are. Do you understand who you are? I mean, we can understand who we are in our mind, but when we grasp this in our heart, I'm, this is where I become like just crazy on the inside right? Because I think it, I understand it. Jesus won the victory at the cross and handed the kingdom to anyone who would believe, right? I get it, sort of. But when I get it, I'm like, are you kidding me? This is like, this is, like, uh, uh, this is like your dad throwing you the keys to the, to the Porsche and being like, go have fun. <laughs> In the natural, right? Like, we'd get that. We'd, we'd be like, man, that was so good. It's better than that. That's natural. This is supernatural. And we take the keys and we're like, cool, man. We stick them in our pocket. We go and sit on the sofa. Dad gave me the keys. No, no, you're supposed to do something. Go put it, go sit in the car and put it in the ignition and turn the thing and put the, come on, come on. Don't just take the keys and then sit on the couch. Go jump in the car, go pray for something. Pray for something. What's God, what's God stirring you for? What's God stirring you for? He's stirring me for the city of Troy. City of Troy, come on, come on. Salvation in the city of Troy. I want to see healing. This is what, I'm telling you, man. Uh, all right. We're going to get ready to receive the offering. Uh, before we do, if you're here today and you do not know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, I would like to invite you to do that today. If you do not, have a relationship with Jesus Christ. I was talking, it's all about relationship. If you don't have that relationship, I want to introduce you to him. You can do that by praying a prayer, 
telling God that you're a sinner, asking him to forgive you of your sins, that he would come and live inside your heart and that you would live your life for him. That's how you do it. And so if that's you today, I want to pray with you. If you'll pray with me, Jesus, I'm a sinner. God, forgive me of my sin. Come and live inside my heart and help me to live for you. And so if you just prayed that prayer today, amen, if you just prayed that prayer today, I want you to check on your box today, I follow Jesus as my Lord and Savior for the first time. The Bible tells us that when, we've, when we choose to follow Christ, that we need to tell somebody. And if you tell, if you tell me today by checking that box, I'll send you some information that explains the decision that you made. Underneath this week, I will pray to understand the transfer of authority. Listen, we have to understand the way that the authority was given. It was given to Adam. It was, he gave it to Satan. Jesus took it from Satan. He gave it back to us. We have to understand this transfer of authority if we're going to begin to walk in the authority. Understand that authority. Pray to pray. We need to pray to understand it because we can't just understand it by a simple teaching by Pastor Matt on a Sunday morning. As, as awesome as I am. <laughs> oh my goodness. The other thing here under this week, I will exercise the authority that I've been given. Listen, you've been given authority. But if you're just going to go sit on the couch, um, don't make me throw something. If you're just going to go sit on the couch, then why bother? Oh, no, don't, no. Please, exercise. Get in the game. Get in the game. Get in the game. Get some skin in the game. Get in the game. Do something. Exercise. Step out. Step out by faith. I'd rather be a wet water walker than a dry boat talker every day. Come on. Amen. Bow your heads. Let's pray. Father, in Jesus' name, God, I just pray that you would help us to understand the authority that we've been given as believers. And God, I just pray that we would begin to step out by faith in, the, in that authority, that we would uh, begin to pray prayers of faith with authority, that we would begin to no longer be distracted uh, by the, the lies of the enemy, but God, that we would fully approach the throne of grace, and then we would apprehend the things that we've been given, and we would walk in the authority that you have given us. And God, that we would begin to take that joy ride of faith, and God, that we would just see you for who you are, that we would see extraordinary things happen as we give our life to you. In Jesus' name, amen.